tonight on Rogue Padron. Papa Wedge, amnesia doesn't erase arrogance. Yagdul sounds like it's from the Middle Earth. Corin fights back, and yes, thank God, more romance. Finally. <laughs> this is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue Six standing by. Rogue Seven standing by. Rogue Three standing by. everyone and happy belated may the 4th just in case you're confused we are recording on may 4th which is why we are saying that right now and a quick reminder of your hosts and what we all did to celebrate this very special day we have rogue seven saf who finished her time jump fanfic starring padme and lujane hey i did we have he Rogue Three, who put the final touches on his Captain America slash Tycho Selchu slash JFK cosplay. Oh my god. Wow. <laughs> That's so much justice. <laughs> I can't even handle it. We have Danny, Rogue Six, who started his masterpiece re- research report on the migration patterns of Pergils. You yes. betcha. <laughs> oh my god. And I'm Meg, Rogue Leader, and I found some teenagers in Kylo Ren t-shirts and barbecued them with their with my Ewok family. Oh my god. <laughs> sure. Absolutely, I did. The barbecue is always a good way to celebrate a special Bar- day. Yeah, that's like 4th of July, May 4th. Arson barbecue. is great. <laughs> well, not really arson. Wonderful. Yeah, if it's, it's people, more like- is it still arson? Yeah, I think it's just murder at that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. if they die. I think that's what that is. <laughs> Speaking of murder, Danny has a Rogue One question. <laughs> we find out about Star Wars Celebration in Orlando today. It's yeah. happening in 2017, and we're very excited about it. But also, do you realize that by the time that happens, we'll have seen Rogue One? Is that your Rogue that's One question? That's <laughs> <laughs> because yes, let's move on. on. <laughs> we might even have it on Blu-ray by that point. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We might even wow. be able to watch it together at celebration and record oh like a live commentary track. Oh my so god. Good. <laughs> That's a popular idea. Okay. I'm excited. That. We can do it. So my okay. actual Rogue One question is in the trailer we learned a little bit about Jin Erso's sketchy past. She has a bunch of marks on her record. Seems like she's been involved in some criminal activity. What do you think she's been up to before the start of this movie? Arson. <laughs> with people or with buildings? Huh. The, the murder kind or just the just, <laughs> just the, arson the regular kind? kind. <laughs> who, who knows? Just the murder kind. <laughs> I think she's going to be very similar to Han Solo in that she's sort of been doing a lot of criminal activity over the years and is now swept up into the rebellion via some storyline that we have yet to see and that she'll eventually grow into this like good character who cares about doing right by things. Huh, or she turns to the Empire. Yeah. yeah, or that. <laughs> 
Jen Erso as Boba Fett. Oh my gosh. Makes sense. Um, yeah, but I also kind of feel like she's will like Hansel is very unwillingly, he was brought in kicking and screaming, right? I kind of feel like she's a little more willing, especially that whole line about I rebel. Seems like she's trying to, to sell herself to them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, from what I can see, like for for me, she's definitely not a team player in that sense. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure she's probably has this complicated backstory about how she's always been on her own and like fighting for her own and doing her own causes. And they at this point they probably just happen to align with the Rebel Alliance. And like the Rebel Alliance knows that they can that she's very useful to them at this point, but I don't know if there's going to be like an understanding between them uh, at all, or like, think, like if she'll feel any loyalty. Them? Yeah, I mean, I think she probably sees it as a means to an end. I think they both do that. They're both um, going to be accomplishing whatever tasks that they want to complete with the aid of each other. But I don't know if she's actually feeling any loyalty or affection toward the Rebel Alliance. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you have opinions? <laughs> I I just agree with Meg basically like entirely. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly haven't thought about this that much because I just see Jin and then I just start thinking about how much I love her. So I haven't thought beyond that. But I do think yeah she's got that she's got her agenda and that she doesn't really like she probably just doesn't like authority in general, yeah. So are we all pretty much expecting some variation on the hero's journey with this then? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. So Star Wars. <laughs> Classic Star Wars. Classic Star Wars. <laughs> Speaking of classic Star Wars. <laughs> you can't get more classic than Wedge giving a briefing for the rogues. Which is what <laughs> happens at the beginning of chapter five. Nice. As the rogues file in, they're not super chipper, considering that they just had Corrin's memorial, and I guess it also blew up, but no one seems to mention it. And <laughs> that was so weird, by the way. It's that, like, just so weird. It's just like, yeah, that happened. Like, no one's talking about this terrorist attack. So it's yeah. basically a terrorist attack that's just getting ignored. <laughs> no one cares. Yeah. Right. No one yeah. cares. And for as much as the rogues are in pain, Wedge reminds them that there's a bigger disaster going on outside of the rogues. So they need to keep focus and keep working on their missions. We find out that Warlord Zinj hit a back to convoy from the Zaltan group, which is the one that's not Erisi. And that an Ashurn rebel working aboard the ship was able to send out a message of the shipment storage location. This guy, <clears throat> this, this Zinj. He just keeps coming yeah. up, and I'm just hoping that, or I guess I'm kind of actually hoping that he won't be relevant, but the fact that he keeps coming up makes me feel like he's eventually actually going to be relevant. He might. But so far, it seems like he just like keeps getting name-dropped every now and again. Yeah. And what a name he... to drop. Zinch. I know. Some starts with a big Z. Looks good. <laughs> looks good on very paper. Big Z. <laughs> it, does, it, it does look pretty good on paper. It looks, yeah, it looks, looks very pleasing on paper, so I understand <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So we find out that the plan is that they'll be attacking an Empress-class space station, which I didn't know space stations had classes. But the rogues will be going in with two squadrons of Y-Wings and a squadron of B-Wings, which is new. And after they hit the station, they'll be followed by cruisers to 
hold the station just long enough to haul the Bacto away. So it's going to be, a, hopefully, a quick shoot everything up, steal some stuff, leave. Gavin says something about it sounding like a do-run, which I couldn't figure out if that was a joke or an actual thing on Tatooine. (laughs) (laughs) Gavin, I don't... Gavin is way... He's way too sincere to make a joke. It has to be real. It has to be a real... Something that involves water, I'm sure. Every night, the dew fairy comes out and sprinkles little water droplets across (laughs) all the fields of Tatooine. Oh, isn't it a do-back <laughs> reference? Is it? I don't know. Are they I assume they were talking about do-backs. Like, well, then why wouldn't it be a do-back run? Because it's just shortened. Because it's just a do run. We don't know. Can someone fill this in for us, please? <laughs> it's <laughs> the one who is, is better the, at Tatooine playing. Does the do and do-back come from, like, morning do? I don't know. They do on their back. I feel silly saying that word now. I've said it too much. Do. It's kind of a silly word. Do. Do. So in this briefing, we find out that the Iron Fist, which is the superstar destroyer that is Zinji's Zinji's flagship, has unknown whereabouts. And they all just assume that it's far enough away from Yagdul because the mission would completely fail otherwise. Yagdul. Which... Not, it doesn't sound like a solid intel plan they've got going on here, but it's fine. It's what they do. It's what they do. Gavin. Oh yeah. I looked up, I looked up do run before we get too much further away from it. it? Apparently this is like the only reference to do run ever in (laughs) Star Wars. (laughs) Is there a Wikipedia page for it? The Wikipedia page is literally two sentences long and it says, Do-run was a slang term used to describe a simple and easy mission. The term most likely originated from Tatooine as a reference to the do-back. Okay, okay. So it is. That's that's all the information we have. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, that that was. I guess. Of course there's the Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Someone else was probably like, what the heck is a (laughs) do-run? So Gavin is concerned about Noir leaving when he should be preparing Tycho's defense, but M-Tray and Whistler will be settling things in their absence. And they can't afford to be another rogue short, what with Corin's demise. <laughs> <laughs> After the rogues are excused and are sent to go for another briefing with the rest of the like Y-Wing pilots and things like that, pa- Papa Wedge asks to speak to a seer and he has two points number one he warns her that gavin is falling in love with her and it'd be best if she breaks off things with him now before he gets too serious and she totally wrecks him (laughs) number two is that although she she was top in her class at the Bothan Marshall Academy. She never joined the military, and she has a sketchy, like, non-existent record, and she was already on course when the rogues arrived. And that implies that the Bothans had their own goals at Imperial Center, and that she might not have complete loyalty to the squadron. So, Wedge wants... those Bothans. Yeah. Wedge wants her to make some decisions. One, about Gavin. Number one important about Gavin. As well as making the decision about where she is going to place her loyalties, whether 
whether it's the New Republic, her homeworld, or the Rogues. And Gavin, not Gavin, Wedge, of course, still wants her in Rogues squadron her experience intelligence and the, her position just in the government as a whole is super valuable but he wants to make it clear that he's not going to stand for any like mucking stuff up so okay. a seer then assures wedge that she won't do anything to hurt gavin and that she genuinely likes him so let's talk about those exchanges <laughs> say, we need to spend some time on this <laughs> So Gavin is seventeen. Uh, <laughs> yep, he's just a baby. He's so young. I think my he's favorite so young. my favorite quote from this was Wedge saying, "Gavin is so taken with you that his enthusiasm isn't always kept under control." <laughs> oh, Gavin! <laughs> right, it's because so I imagine him. I imagine he like bursts into like whichever room like all the rogues are in, and he's like, "Guys, I went on another date. It was amazing." And they're like, "Oh God!" You know he does because like. Wedge knows all these details, but he hasn't had them followed. It's just because Gavin wants to like scream from the mountains that he's with a, with, he's with a seer. Like... <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we precious. All remember who gave him permission to feel okay with that? It was Corin. It was Doctor Corin. Doctor Corin. The confidence what? he needed. And now he's he's trying so hard to make his relationship work in de- in dedication to Corin. Why don't we get the chapters with their dates? I know that'd be so good, right? That would be so good. <laughs> they have to leave something for the fanfic writers. Yeah, that's true. I mean, oh, I just imagine like a seer planning everything all the time, and Gavin's like the super cute one who's all nervous, and he's like out picking flowers while she's planning the dates. Yeah. And just like, like staring off at clouds and, and thinking yeah. about their future together. And, like, he already has. Dreaming about them being 80 years old and having great grandchildren. He already has names oh. picked out. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. And he's like studying Bothan culture. Right. Yeah, he's probably really going on this hard. Like figuring oh, out what Bothan what Bothan's like, what they don't like. Mm-hmm. He right, doesn't want to mess it up. Recording, like... Right. Gavin, you're so precious. <laughs> Gavin's Google search history at this time would be really fun to see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm putting that as the question of the week. <laughs> what flowers are uh, Bothans allergic to? I really like Wedge playing the role of, um, I guess it's like, protective father of the squadron, right? Mm-hmm. But I also yeah, like that yeah. it's the reverse genders that he's like going after the lady in the relationship and being like, hey, you do anything hey. wrong to my beautiful little boy and I will break every bone in your body. <laughs> it's so <laughs> true, though. Because Gavin's pure and beautiful yeah. and a seer probably has a lot of experience uh, just in the way that like how she handles herself and how she recognizes situations. So... Gav- I mean, Gavin was terrified just when she asked him to dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing. He's a little so, bad. So Papa Wedge has to be like, he's like, I know Noara can handle himself, but Gavin. Yeah. <laughs> Papa Wedge. What if Gavin is allergic to Bothan fur? That, that would be oh, not. No, no. That would be so awkward. So bad. Uh, but that was beautiful. And I'm glad that 
it ended with a seer having pure intentions as well. And yeah, I like that they're able to have an open dialogue about like, look, Bothans oftentimes have ulterior motives and mm-hmm. I just want you to be straight up with me about it. Mm-hmm. And she seems like she's genuinely going to do that, which is again, very strange for a Bothan, but maybe hashtag not all Bothans. <laughs> maybe that hashtag. <laughs> I thought it was really cute the way she was like talking about how she's used to like living in the dark and everything because of being a spy and like Gavin was so light and she was looking forward to like living with light and I was like that's so uh, I know so sweet <sighs> I can't deal with it so beautiful it really mm. was like that's how I mean you can really tell there how much she likes him because you don't yeah. say that you don't say those kinds of things about someone who you just kind of like yeah yeah definitely someone you're just fooling around with like you don't you don't call them your light like that's to all of our listeners out there i hope that someday you are able to find the asir to your gavin Mm -hmm. oh so beautiful why did robot do anything for valentine's day that's totally our holiday and we missed it entirely oh my god yeah what were we doing next year who knows we need to make like trashy squadron valentine's we will. We'll make them. <laughs> so you can give them all to your friends. Exactly. And they'll all be like, sorry, what is this? <laughs> You're like, oh gosh. Now I'm thinking about options. Okay. Who's, who's Shield? I've never heard of this. <laughs> okay. So speaking of things that aren't beautiful, uh, we go back to Corin and Oh, this chapter. We find him... <laughs> And yeah. the, we find our beloved Cornhorn in the cockpit of a TIE Interceptor. And he doesn't know how he got there. But all he knows is that if he does well this time, he'll get to fly more. And Corin knows he likes to fly. As Corin is fighting, we find out that he doesn't remember a lot of his of what's happened up to this point. He knows that he has experienced surviving these kind of dogfights that he's in, but he can't actually place any of his experience in real memories. And so Corin ends up fighting. First, he fights some other TIE fighters, and then it moves on to uglies. And uglies, it's a slang term for ships that are um, piecemealed together, so they don't actually look good at all because it's like, let's take a wing of a TIE fighter and this other thing of a B-wing and... And somehow it flies. So as Corrin is fighting against these uglies, even amnesia'd Corrin is a douchebag <laughs> and automatically <laughs> assumes that the pilots of the uglies are all pirates and smugglers and are beneath him. Yep. Uh, Typical oh Corrin. Yep. So at this point, okay, so first of all, this chapter really annoyed me because it was just like from the get-go, like I get what the author's trying to do here. He's like, they're wondering what's going on. And I was like, yeah, I know that like something weird is going on because last time we saw Corrin, he was about to undergo torture. And um, side note, he was also naked in case you all forgot about that scene. Um, <laughs> Super naked. But And now he's flying a TIE fighter and shooting these people down. And we're all supposed to be like, what's going on? And I was like, what's going on? And then it just kept going and going and going. And I was like, okay, Michael Stackpole, can you just tell me what's going on? <laughs> I skipped a bit of it. I read the description of the uglies, and I was like, okay, I can get read it. Like, I can get skip ahead now. Like, the, um, the tie wing, yeah. whatever it was. <laughs> T-Y-E. 
Oh, or the die wing, yeah. as they nickname it. Yeah. I was imagining that. I was just imagining both ships. I was trying to, with the limited ability I have to visualize <laughs> things. And I was like, this sounds so ugly. When <laughs> we got to I that part, that. I was thinking it was like a like a nightmare fever dream that Cord was having, where like mm. everything was topsy turvy, or like Sid from Toy Story was like he was playing with his toys <laughs> yeah i actually assumed that too but it turns out he's just crazy <laughs> yeah turns out they're all real and it wasn't a dream and everything is awful <laughs> so as corin's going through this sim we eventually we see that he has to fight a couple of x-wings and he does fine fighting with them until he sees their rogue squadron insignia and he can't bring himself to pull the kill shot. So he gets killed in the sim and the voice of Isard admonishes him for it. Corin then reaches to touch his breastbone knowing that something is missing and we all know it's because he doesn't have his medallion because it's safe inside Whistler's secret compartment. <laughs> <laughs> that should be safe. another question of the week sometime. What else is inside Whistler's secret compartment? <laughs> That'll be next week. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> oh, God. What is Corin putting in there? Yeah. Corin then pleads with the disembodied voice of Isard for one more chance to prove that he's ready. If he fails, then I guess he gets more eternal punishment, which is basically what he's doing now. So, two so that things. Was, yeah. Number one, Corin described Isard as slender, so... <laughs> He's still noticing Typical. that after having been brainwashed. Typical Gord. More importantly, uh, this week we got an awesome thing from one of our listeners that I wanted to mention. So mm-hmm. our Padron friend, Sarah, who wrote us the fanfic a couple of weeks back, wrote this really like academic analysis of the epilogue from Wedge's Gamble. And... I thought it was hilarious just because while we were so hung up the whole time on the fact that Wedge was naked, she like was able to look past Who was that. naked, Danny? Oh, sorry, Corin. Wrong, wrong now I'm just, now I'm just wistfully thinking. <laughs> now you're just thinking about the fanfic. Right, yeah. <laughs> we were so hung up on the fact that Corin was naked, she was able to look past that and actually took the epilogue apart like sentence by sentence and just showed how like every single little thing was actually... Uh, a form of you know torture of some sort that is like actually used and it's very interesting and it like this chapter just goes to show that like how effective that was because like one week later and corn already has no idea who he is anymore yeah it was a really yep. interesting read anyway so our reader should check that out i think we'll link it in the show notes oh, yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah we'll do that we'll put it up yep in the next Yikes. chapter, we go back to the rogues, and they finally arrive with the one ring at Yagadul. Yay! <laughs> Sorry, what now? It definitely <laughs> sounds like a place in Middle Earth, doesn't it? It really 100%. does. Well, like a type of enemy in Lord of the Rings. Or yeah, something. like something from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's very, very token. We find that the B-Wings are still in hyperspace, and they'll be the surprise for the TIE Fighters once they're all lured... Lord. Lord. <laughs> lured out by the rogues and the Y-Wings. The B-Wings come then after their plane works, and they wreck-ish up, and they... Convoys come, and they take the Bacto with very little consequence. There is a flight of remaining fighters... 
who peacefully surrendered a wedge and they make a deal to fly cover for the back to convoys run back to Coruscant in exchange that they just never fly against the rebellion again, which I don't think they're going to keep that promise wedge, but you keep hoping <laughs> because most of the people who work for warlord Zinge are all mercenaries. They it's all because they're either terrified of him or they're pay- or he's paying them money or both. So they don't really have strong loyalties up in here. That guy. And right now, since they basically failed at protecting all this Bacta, they would rather not be around when the Iron Fist shows up again. I feel like that's a pretty smart decision. Yeah, absolutely. I would promise anything to Wedge just to get me out of there. It's fine. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I'd promise anything to Wedge anyways. I know, right? <laughs> Wait, still got two chapters before then. <laughs> So, Mirax, of course, is there to help with the convoy, and Wedge insists that when they all arrive, ba- arrive back safely on Coruscant, that they spend time together to mourn Corrin. I guess it's fine. They Since did not Mir- spend this much time mourning Andorni. Just throwing that out there. Nope. Nope. Or bro, she barely got any pages. Or bro, that's true. <laughs> She didn't save Coruscant, okay? <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about bro. I still feel like, I still don't believe he's dead, so I haven't, like... <laughs> you don't need to commit him to memory. Me. Yeah, because I'm like, no, no, he's still alive, out there somewhere. Like, I don't It'll believe be like three dead. books from now, and you'll be like, bro's gone. Yeah, yeah bro it'll, is it'll dead, finally click. <laughs> No! <laughs> I'm of but all the maybe characters, we'll yeah. eventually meet his long-lost sibling. Yeah. Oh my god. Brother oh my god. Chase. <laughs> Wait, what was his actual name? Uh, Broer, right? Bro, bro. Yeah, there's just another like, R in the end of like bro. Brewer Jace or Lore. Don't know how he made Lore. Lore. Broer. Wait. Anyway, keep going. Doesn't okay. matter. <laughs> so, and the next chapter of course we're back with Corin, and Corin is back in the sim and he doesn't feel as happy as he did last time Corin is trying to remember but unfortunately the part he remembers is that Tycho betrayed the rogues Ugh. and that if he wasn't there flying he'd be out tracking Tycho down and probably killing him with his bare hands yeah, so sure. during the sim as he goes through the TIE Fighters and the Uglies. When he gets to the X-Wings, of course one of them in the sim is piloted by a T-Selchu. Korn's blood boils, and he leaps at the opportunity to prove his worthiness and avenge the rogues. Another fighter comes by, and he sees that the pilot is Kirtan Lore, and... That's what causes Corrin to figure it all out, that he's obviously being manipulated, that they're just plucking enemies from his past and putting them in his way in order to convince him to kill everybody. Corrin, of course, then, like, has the sim shut down. And although he considers that regaining his memory to be a victory, Isart assures him that he's just prolonging the inevitable and that she's going to break him, starting with a class four interrogation, whatever that means. Okay, a couple important things about Isart from this chapter. Um, We learned that she has two different colored eyes. One of which is fiery red, and the other of which is icy blue. 
We knew this already. They bring that up every time she's described. Danny. Yeah. <laughs> so the welcome other to, important welcome thing. to Rogue Modern. <laughs> that's the only, the only important thing about Iceheart from this chapter. Because <laughs> we obviously already knew that. I was just testing you all. <laughs> Okay, but Seth asks me every single week who I think the spy is. Like, I'm not the only one with memory issues here, okay? Yeah, that's true. That's very, I still can't remember who you think the spy is. <laughs> me either, actually. He thinks it's Eresi. No, Seth right, thinks that's it's right. So that's me. Oh. You think it's Rosati, then? Yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, There's, like, only two options. <laughs> M-Tray. <laughs> M-Tray for the Dark Horse. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh okay we also got a fantastic like ice heart eating raw meat and like saying evil things line at the end here when she said when we are finished with you smiles will be but a memory and a painful one at that <laughs> she's really going all out like with the with the appearance and the just general aesthetic of a villain she's she's going there can you imagine her on a date Yes. <laughs> it's very sensual, probably. <laughs> oh, it's very something. Like, terrifying, but also sensual. I would be so scared if I was on a date with that woman, just, like, sitting there cowering in your seat. She would probably tell you what you're supposed to order. Oh, she would <laughs> just order like, for okay, you. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> your food would be there when you arrived. So perfect. <laughs> Can we talk about Corrin's really terrible pun? Yes. Two ties aren't nearly as deadly as a single Tyco. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that was I. No. Was I feel like this book has had a lot more terrible puns than the other books. Had. What's going on? It really has. <laughs> oh God. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Corin, you should stop. <laughs> I don't want you to get your memory back if that's what this means. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, with Corin probably getting probed a lot, Aww. we're just going to there. Why, Meg? Why? Back to Coruscant, where Wedge shows up on Iella's doorstep, nervous because he's definitely not asking her out on a date, even though he's probably wearing a nice jacket, and he's definitely not going on a date. Not at all. Before he left, we find out that Erisi had assaulted him, basically, to find out more information about the Rebel Asherm, which listeners, if you remember, we had a very brief talk in book one about the Vratrix, who are a native group to Typheria. They're the ones who actually make the Bacta. And they're like insectoid beings and then the humans come and exploit their labor so i totally remember this also did you know that isart has two different colored eyes (laughs) (laughs) absolutely we did and so in case you don't remember that's basically the biz and the rebel the rebel ratrix basically are trying to sabotage the back to supply for the humans. So they're not trying to hurt anybody. They're just trying to wreck the stuff up of the humans who basically force them into slavery. So, Which is fair, I think. Right. But as Erisi is an heiress of Bacta, she obviously is pretty against them. But 
<clears throat> we also find out, more interestingly, we find out that Wedge has had companionship with some rebel ladies, but no relationships since joining the rebellion. Not like Han or Tycho, where it's actually something meaningful, I guess. And part of it is that Wedge is scared of getting hurt, of losing even more when he already has lost so many friends and has a whole squadron to worry about. Oh, that's really sad. Ugh. Them some Star Wars feels right there. I know. Oh, Wedge. You're so broken inside. As he knocks on the door and Yella answers, he awkwardly asks her, out, asks her out to dinner because it's not a date. And he just happened to be the neighborhood and he hates eating alone, apparently. Sure. Yeah, of course. Obviously. We all do, right? We all put on blazers to and go across town to eat yeah, when we totally, don't eat totally alone. Totally normal. Yella initially looks really pleased but her expression changes fairly fast and invites Wedge in. Yella then introduces Wedge to her husband, Derek. Wah, wah. Oops. And we find a little bit about what happened. So remember that when the three of them went under, went off the grid after Corsac, they all split ways, so they weren't together during this time. And apparently during a year ago, Derek was caught in an Imperial suite. And they found out who he was and after they broke him and then assigned him to help General Derricott, which is where we've seen him before. Right. So are we like, when we saw Derek before, we were meant to believe that he was like aiding Derricott. So are we now meant to think that he's like an undercover Imperial or did did this justify his presence there? How do you feel about it, Danny? What do you feel like? Oh, okay. All right. I feel confused. <laughs> yep, that's about where I'm at. <laughs> Maybe he's the guy. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it should be confused because, you know, it didn't it. seem like he necessarily was into what he was doing, but we also don't know anything about him right now at this point. So it could it could really be either way. But Derek then goes kind of noble and tells Wedge that he shouldn't feel bad if anything has transpired between Wedge and Yella since he was basically dead. So uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable. So, yeah, so uncomfortable. Wedge then vomits out all of his feelings and he says uh, that Yella is perfect and is the type of person he could see himself growing old with. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. She's loyal and she's devoted to Derek and her fidelity was never in question. No. Why? <laughs> and it's just so awkward because Yella is right there. Wedge, go just stay in the next wing next time. <laughs> yeah, don't just... give her ask a girl out again. Oh, no. Right? And it's like he made up... He made up this whole life for him and Yella in like five seconds when he was asking her out to dinner, and then he gets super crushed in this moment. And what a sappy romantic Wedge is! It's oh. so interesting too because the last time we saw Wedge, what was he doing? He was warning Asir that Gavin is going to fall hard and fast, so be careful, buddy. I know. <laughs> yep. And then he's literally doing the exact same thing. Apparently, he's speaking from experience. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Precious Daddy. Wedge. Oh, Wedge. Wedge, why did you have to say those things? Wedge, why? 
I so, just feel so sorry for Yella. Like, oh, imagine standing there, like, with this happening in front of you and just being like, why? What do I do? <laughs> yeah. How do I stop it? This is normal. Right? This is Make fine. <laughs> this is fine. Everything's on fire. This is fine. <laughs> it's just my husband who I thought was dead with the hot guy wanted me to, I wanted to ask out later. It's fine. It's just, it's fine. <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> Thankfully, they get over that awkwardness fairly fast and Iela and Wench end up arguing about Tycho's case as Iela is working hard for the prosecutors since she's bent on getting revenge for Corin. Yeah, this is some tragic like team Tycho team Corin stuff going on here. Yeah. Like major civil yeah. war vibes all of a sudden. Yeah. Out of nowhere too cuz they're just like they were super buddy and then like Tycho gets mentioned and all of a sudden they're just like nope. Completely yeah. opposite. Yeah. And they fill in Derek about what their positions are and how they feel about it. And Derek finds Tycho to be fascinating and is going to go talk to him and discover the truth. And we find out from Yella that this is apparently a habit that he has and that his passion in life is to talk to interesting people. And that in the past, it has actually caused Corin and Iella to reevaluate some of their corset cases because they had been so convinced that so-and-so was guilty that they didn't really look as hard as they needed to. And Derek got involved, ended up finding out that, okay, the person you think is guilty is not guilty. And they had to, they got the right person instead. So maybe you should listen to your husband. <laughs> I'm but, side-eyeing Derek right now. Right. It's fine. Mm. Don't worry. Yeah. I'm definitely a little bit worried about this. Wedge, of course, is thrilled to have any help he can get and is not hesitant to um, accept their help and probably set up a meeting for everybody. Wedge, no. <laughs> and so Wedge is about to go, you know, everyone, let's all go to dinner as a not awkward, like, third <laughs> wheel at all. And Mirax calls him right then. And at first you think, oh, if they're saved, they're going to bring Mirax. It won't be so terrible. But Mirax actually calls Wedge to tell him that he needs to get down to the Pulsar Skate ASAP. As she picked up some item that if not disposed of properly, could shake apart the entirety of the rebellion. So, that's no big deal. Yeah, MBD. That's a pretty big claim. Like, I'm curious what this could be. <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah, what what could it be? Is it Corin's medallion? <laughs> no, it's inside of a secret compartment. <laughs> Did Mirax break into the secret apartment in a grief-stricken rage? <laughs> and just steal it out of Whistler. Fine. I really Corrin's want lucky that. charm, some leftover change, a couple of condoms, you know, corn things. Probably like a whole box of unopened condoms. <laughs> oh my and god. And he's just like, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> he's never used them. Um, <laughs> just speaking of condoms... <laughs> that was the end of that chapter. <laughs> and that was the end of the chapters for this week. Nice. Yay, we did it. So a nice little cliffhanger for that. And I felt like these these set the set of five chapters had a nice range of corn being a douche, 
some star piloting that we kind of breeze through because it's star piloting, and then trashy romance, which is all we really look for in these books. It was all yeah, our was favorite pretty, things. It was. it was pretty perfect, except no Tycho. Yeah, he'll he'll show up eventually. I mean, if he doesn't get executed, <laughs> shut know. up, Danny. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll see that. So at least he will show up. You think? Uh, I'm not going to off-screen like, kill him. I mean, they no, off-screen they definitely killed off-screen most of the other him. rogues. Yeah, but this is important. This would bring Yeah, closure. but some of those rogues aren't dead, so it's fine. Oh, that's right. I forgot about <laughs> Which ones aren't Zom- dead? Zombie bro Jason, zombie <laughs> like, Lou Jane, like, starting their happy life together. The only isn't dead is Corrin. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of these characters is going to come back one day, and I'm going to be right. <laughs> what if every single one of them is in Ice Art's dungeon? Oh my god! Oh my god. And she's, like, forming a dark squadron. It's like the anti-rogue squadron. Is there a question for this week, or am I just going to keep going with this? No, there is a question for this week. Okay. Yeah, I, was, I was just letting you go. <laughs> I just to hear more. So last week we asked you all, before joining the rogues, what was Noir Ven's most difficult legal case? We got some awesome answers. Nova said... Representing stormtroopers versus the Death Star construction team regarding concerns over the lack of safety and guardrails. That's true. Yes, though. so true. And you can bring Han Solo in on that too. I was gonna say, do you mm-hmm. think he also had to turn up at Starkiller Base? <laughs> <laughs> Raising fangirls said Noara's toughest case was a slander case where someone wrote a fanfic involving Wedge and Corrin's glistening pecs. Oh my so God. good. Glistening <laughs> uh, pullback. I like it. Ian Miller said Noir Event's hardest case was getting Mantuin Mantuin III's Wookiee driver off on a speeder rage charge. The moth was <laughs> grateful. <laughs> Hassan said Noir's toughest case was to figure out who's the real Han Solo, Dash or Rendar. Oh, gosh. References. I don't Pass. think I understand that reference. It's okay. Okay. Uh, um, and then Jay sent in two answers. The first answer was, Noir was asked to judge a mock trial for an underprivileged law school, but it was actually an insult poetry competition. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Like a Yo Mama fight? Like... Right. Like he just shows up to a rap battle. <laughs> right. It's actually just a poetry slam. Don't worry about it. He owns all of them. <laughs> oh my gosh. Of course he does. And then Jay's second answer was Noir had to defend a Bothan from corruption charges. He won, of course, but Noir felt guilty about it afterwards. Oh, Noir. And this week's question. What kind of dates do Asir and Gavin go on? Cute ones. Sometimes they like to roleplay. And Gavin likes to be a tell. Oh, wait, sorry. Wow. Wow. Date, is it? Submit your fan fiction to <laughs> I am Telboon. Oh god. This is not what I want. This is this is not where I want this to go. <laughs> My other answer had to do with a very tall otter woman, so <laughs> that's all we got. <laughs> oh my god, that's terrible. <clears throat> I like to imagine that Gavin takes her out on like cute little picnics. Oh, and he like makes the food and everything, and, like puts it in a picnic basket. Yeah, Gavin seems it's very. It's not like, amazing. Do they roll around yeah. in the field of flowers and then ride on the back of the shocks afterwards? I imagine Gavin doing it, but not a seer. <laughs> so basically, Attack of the Clones, but with Padme off to the side, just watching. 
Yeah. Yeah. Basically. And saying, thank God it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> no, just being like, he's so cute. <laughs> like, what if Asir, like, what if the whole reason, like, Asir starts dating Gavin is because she just has a penchant for really cute things? And so, like, Gavin keeps doing these adorable things because he's 17 and smitten. And Asir, like, looks all cool and calm collected on the outside. But on the inside, she's just like, he's so adorable. Yeah, I can see that. And uh, I would I would imagine Asir would do, like, she would also do research on, like, what Earth, like, human dates are kind of like. And the stereotypical things, she'd watch like dramas and hollow hollow dramas and stuff like that to be like, okay, what am I? What should I do? Like, what would? And she always puts Gavin in like the woman's place and everything. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so she would, you know, take him ice skating and things like that, and like really stereotypical, super cheesy, super super cheesy stuff. But she would always be kind of playing the more masculine part of leading him and always making it a surprise and not letting him pay for anything and like all the stuff. That's just too cute. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. It's so cute. I'm dying. I know, it's so good. Their love is so good. It's so I like pure. To, I like to think that Gavin is obsessed with the two of them learning about each other's cultures. So that he takes them on dates to like a local virtual reality center of some kind where like she can like be transported to Tatooine for a while and they go on like I guess do runs or whatever. And then he can like (laughs) spend some time like actually transplanted to Bothaway and learning all about the Bothans. Why would you want that? <laughs> I, do. I wouldn't. <laughs> but Gav- Gavin's probably like, I just want to know more about you. <laughs> it's important to you, so it's important to me. Yeah, I mean, it's what he should be doing. So yeah. I guess that's good. Gavin's perfect. <laughs> he is perfect. I'm a little bit jealous, but also he is too young for me, so I'm not yes. as jealous. He's too young for everybody to be. Yeah, here. a little bit. <laughs> He's so precious and little. Such a child. So precious. Yep. He would so let's be in high school. I'm sorry. I just got really distressed about that. He is. He's barely 17. Oh yeah. my god. He's so young. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Is that everyone answered? Danny never finished his after he said role play. Yeah. <laughs> that was his date. <laughs> no, I said they they role played as Teldoon. I'm oh, that glad was, that was the real answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, I, I imagine them frolicking through a field of flowers, but mostly just Gavin. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, listeners, if you have an answer for this week's question, which hopefully doesn't get creepy, but actually it should probably get a little Couldn't bit Couldn't get annoying. any creepers on the Telboon, though. Yeah. Get it appropriately weird. That's what we want. Yeah. yeah. Hit us up at Rogue Podron on Twitter. Email us roguepod at farfarawayradio.com. Our website is roguepodron.tumblr.com and you can subscribe to us via the Far Far Away Radio feed on iTunes, Stitcher, and that other one, FeedBurner, or on Google Play on an Android device. Why did you call FeedBurner that other one? Because I had the Skype window sitting over it and I was like, oh god. You're like, what do you have against FeedBurner? <laughs> nope, that other one. Oh my gosh. Perfect. FeedBurner is the one that's like just in my head. I got through iTunes and Stitcher and I was like, yeah, I know what the other one is. And I got to it, I was like, I, d- I don't know what it <laughs> I is. I don't know what the other one is. 
That other one. <laughs> Feed burner. I made a mistake. <laughs> so good. So next time, listeners, we'll have X-Wing, The Kratos Trap, chapters 10 through 12. And with that, this is Rogue Padron signing off. May the fourth be with you. Pash out. Pew, 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 pew. Pew. <laughs> so much disdain for that. Did wow. you just did you just see an X Wing piloted by T Selju? <laughs> T Selju and K Lore. <laughs> like he could ever this podcast anything. is all just a brainwashing operation. Rogue Leader signing off. Rogue Six signing off. Rogue 7, signing off. Rogue 3, signing off. Oh my god, I'm so happy to see you guys. I'm so happy to see you guys in person. Like, oh god, I know, it's so exciting. It Only 11 and a half short months away. Are. I know, like, legitimately, I am more excited right now for this than my wedding. <laughs> 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 It's okay, that's fine, because your wedding is after, so you can be excited for this. first, so maybe that's, and then, that's yeah. what I'm going to say as my yeah. excuse right now. You should just but... turn celebration into your bachelorette party. Oh my god, yes. Yes. <laughs> can we have a bachelorette party for me one night? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Good. I'm leaving that up to up in charge to you guys. God, okay. Okay. We'll as make the it happen. Yeah. Wait. Well, I just missed something. What's happening? What are we doing? What are we in charge of? We're, th- we're, doing- we're throwing a bachelorette party for Meg at Celebration. Wait, does that mean that the three of us are your maid of honor? <laughs> <laughs> for Star Wars, yes. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I've never been one before. <laughs> I've never been a third of a maid of honor before. <laughs> Get you guys matching sashes and everything. <laughs> oh my god. Does that mean that, that whenever we're there, we all have to speak like one word at a time? Oh my god. Yes. We don't have that much coordination. No. Uh, no. It would be a hot mess. <laughs> That's not part of usual, though. <laughs>